Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Thursday, February 17th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is really starting to get Claude Giroux emotions. I can't control it. It's a problem. Uh, how long will this last, Russ? Uh, until March 21st. Oh, God. I'm not going to make it. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow Lockdown Flyers on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers to keep up to date on Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen. He's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to preview tonight's matchup against the Washington Capitals with Ted Starkey. And we are going to do a prospect profile on Lucas Edmonds, who is a very interesting case study. Excited to have that conversation. Lockdown Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So Practice yesterday was a bit of a wash. They only had the bottom six there and the the injured guys. And so we didn't really learn anything in terms of who might definitely be coming back and or what the lineup might look like. But we did get media questions to Claude Giroux, which I think was the biggest part of the day yesterday. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I do want to say that having a practice for your bottom six and IR guys and letting everybody else just kind of like do what they want. I don't know. At this point, is that really the right thing to do at this point in the year? I don't know. I mean, it's like fans are down on the team anyhow. And you kind of, now you're telling guys that, Hey, go ahead, take that maintenance day. Hey, you know, it's like, it doesn't really show off well optically, at least to me. Yeah. It's been a struggle with this all season and I think that right now is when they do have practice time available to them yes so to see them not take advantage of it I think is the problem whereas you know I know that we're not looking for the team to make the playoffs right now and so you know what does it matter if they practice or not in March when their schedule is busy but At the same time, you would like to see development in the younger guys. You do want to see their systems get better, right? You want to see if whatever they're doing coaching-wise with Torchetti now running the power play, is that going to improve over the course of the rest of the season? And can these personnel make those improvements? There's a lot of information that we need to get about this team going into the trade deadline and going into the offseason And if they're not practicing properly and being coached effectively, we won't know that information. Couldn't agree more. So I think, you know, on on the Giroux side of things, there are a couple of key quotes that were, you know, the tea leaves here, right? So yes, um, I think the first thing he said was, I haven't had a chance to talk to Chuck. We have a lot of things to talk about what's best for the Flyers organization, what's best for me, and we'll just go from there. 
Um, I think it was interesting he mentioned the organization first before himself, but that's a very Giroux thing to do, I think. It is. I mean, look, we know he spoke to his agent. We know his agent knows what he wants and what he doesn't. It's just a formality that he hasn't spoken to Chuck, and and that's fine. Uh, What you said the other day as far as uh, a potential schedule and making sure he gets his thousandth game in and, you know, gets that last little bit between him and the fans, that's all legit, and and that's going to ride out. So they're going to play the long game here, and that's fine. Yeah, it's it's a it's going to be a tough next month. And, you know, the other thing he said, which just, you know, stabbed me in the gut a thousand times, he said, it's been an honor to be a flyer for this long. And, oh, yeah, I know it's it's just this it's this like death march right now. And I think I think a lot of people are realizing what he's meant to the organization in a way that they haven't before, which is sad, but also I think it's a good thing. I think people appreciate him a lot, and they should, because he has put everything in his life into this team and his game and done everything he can to be the absolute best player he can for this team. And, you know, he's had some horrible teams around him. He's had some good teams around him that – you know, have been successful and unsuccessful. But at the same time, you know, until this moment, he has never once said anything about wanting to go anywhere else. No, I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, You know, I've covered him his whole career. I was at the draft in Vancouver. Like I, I, I really respect him and, and liked watching everything. I covered his first game and with the Phantoms, I just, you know, I've been there for a lot of the times in his career, and I love the way he carries himself. So it, it's not his fault the Flyers hadn't won a championship. And and for those out there, it's not Michael Layton's fault either. I just want to throw that in. Anyhow. Oh, that's a, another gut punch to bring back. <laughs> well, the Flyers do have a game tonight. It's against the Washington Capitals, and we are thrilled to have Ted Starkey, who covers the Caps, on to talk about him. So that interview is up right now. So to preview tonight's matchup against the Washington Capitals, we are so happy to welcome to the show Ted Starkey from the Hockey Writers and Newsday. Welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. So the Caps are currently in a wild card spot with some mixed results over the last stretch of games, especially running into some trouble at home. Is the team worried or do they feel confident going into the rest of the season? I think there's going to be some changes over the next few weeks. I know the team is concerned over the state of the goaltending. Uh, Vitek Vanacek has been out for a couple of weeks and sustaining concussion against the Penguins at the end of uh, last month. And Ilya Samsonov is kind of a hot and cold goalie. He's had some good performances. He played well in Washington's last two road games in uh, Montreal and in Nashville and was pretty terrible in the two home games they had against uh, against Ottawa and uh, basically the other games they've had at home. So he's just looked a little out of sorts, a uh, little, you know, he looks a little disjointed at times. Um, he's very hot, very cold. You never know what you're going to get with him in terms of uh, performance. But I would expect the Caps at some point are going to make some changes to try to close the gap with the third place and second place teams. But 
Um, I don't think this is a team they're going forward for the playoffs. Ted, what's um, what's going on with Michael Kempney? He used to be a big part of the team. I think he's recovered from his Achilles. I know he's playing, but it seems like Lavi has him in this um, defensive role. Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, he hasn't played a whole lot. I mean, it's 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 tough for him because he sustained an injury right before the 2019 playoffs, and he really honestly hasn't been the same player since. They've seen some uh, glimpses of what he used to be. He was a valuable part of the cup-winning team, um, but it just seems like right now he's lost to the numbers game. Uh, Trevor Ram- Van Riemsdyk is getting a lot more ice time than he did before, um, and he's pretty – Laviolette's pretty consistent with his defense, and it seems like right now he's just kind of on the outs in the numbers game. What's going on with the Caps defensively? It seems like they've struggled overall and their depth is kind of not really supporting them. Right. Yeah. They've had some issues. Um, They're allowing a lot of shots. Uh, The game against Montreal, they allowed over 40 shots to a team that quite frankly is not very good offensively. Um, They just seem to be giving opposing teams a lot of extra space. I mean, particularly at home uh, that the, the numbers are quite striking uh, in their last couple of uh, home games. They've given over four, four goals per game at home uh, on the road. They've been a little tighter defensively. I'm not sure if it's because they're kind of trying to simplify their game. So you may see a more shutdown time type effort against the flyers. Um, but you know, they, they, they haven't been what they, they usually are John Carlson, uh, he's been okay, but he's certainly not the Norris Trophy candidate we've seen in recent years. Uh, probably the bright spot is Nick Jensen, uh, who's kind of come on under Laviolette and been a really valuable asset on the blue line. But uh, they, they're allowing a lot of shots and they're allowing teams a lot of good opportunities, and it's cost them at times. Bet online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Locked On NHL. It's a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed. I am there. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking all about that women's gold medal match. So it should be a good one. Head on over there after you listen to the rest of this show. Let me um, ask you about Brett Leeson. It seems like they've rushed him. I know he's big. There are some tools there, but like, I didn't think he was ready for the NHL. Is this a, are, are some of these big guys now with some teams going to get rushed into the NHL because teams are like all deciding as you get closer to the playoffs, they have to have bigger players. Yeah. And I think it's been such a weird year too, especially for Washington because they've had, you know, 11 guys, 11 rookies this year, which, Uh, I believe it's a record dating back to their expansion year. Uh, So it's just because they've had so many guys have to come in and out of the lineup. Uh, You know, they kept their first round pick from this year. LaPierre was up for a while. Um, But yeah, you, you kind of wonder if some of these guys are getting rushed along and, you know, they did so well the first part of the season. 
based on a lot of the young kids and you wonder if some of them are just hitting the wall because uh yeah. you know it's you're getting 50 games you're longer than a college season and at some point it just it takes a toll on you and I think you're seeing some of that yeah I was going to ask about Connor McMichael along those lines because he seems like somebody that should in theory move up the lineup relatively soon but it does it make sense to do that with him right now Right. I mean, and he got, McMichael was a little bit lucky with the, the strange COVID rules last year because he got to play in Hershey instead of going back to juniors, which I think was a big uh, benefit for him because he got a year of pro hockey under his belt at age 19, where in a year he'd normally have to go back to juniors. Um, McMichael's actually been a nice, solid little player. He hasn't been spectacular yet, uh, but they've had uh, various injuries at the center position and he's filled the role nicely. He's been on the top line a couple of times second line a couple of times, mostly he's played on the third and fourth line, but he's been a solid little player. Um, you know, I think he's getting probably a little bit more experience at the NHL level than he might have in normal circumstances, but he's done pretty well. And he's played, you know, he's, he's not the most noticeable player, but he isn't, uh, that isn't in a negative way. He's not making mistakes and he's playing pretty solid defensively. Yeah. He'll come along. He's young. And I think he could possibly be a second liner down the line. Um, so something that's really worked out is uh, Daniel Sprung. I mean, he's 24 now. We, we know a lot about his career, but he always had talent. He always had a good shot. He was always a good skater. I do think it was a matter of sort of finding his role, and it does seem like he's found his role with this team. Yeah, no, he's been, it was a nice addition. I mean, he was kind of a cast off, came to Washington, and he fit in really well in their Laviolette system. I mean, I think he adds a lot of energy. They don't necessarily have elsewhere. I think he's usually in the right place at the right time. Uh, he has a knack for scoring key goals. I mean, you know, sometimes when the offense is struggling, he's the guy who uh, basically gets a goal to get the team going. He's been a really nice depth guy for them. Um, you know, that, and again, he's been one of the more consistent guys because they've had so many guys shuffling in and out of the lineup. And it was a really inexpensive and good ad for uh, Brian McClellan to bring him aboard. So with the Capitals, like you can't really have the conversation without talking about Alex Ovechkin. And this is apparently his 16th season with 30 or more goals, which is yes. unbelievable. Insane. Absolutely unbelievable. But it just kind of begs the question again about, is he going to make it to even you know have a chance at breaking that record? It's going to be, uh, I think a lot will depend on his health. Um, I mean, I think, Obviously, yeah. he's gone over the expectations of a guy who's 36 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, by now, a lot of us thought he would, you know, eventually the numbers would drop. But what's probably more impressive about this year is, you know, in, in the past couple of seasons, he's made so many goals off the uh, Ovechkin spot. This year, it's a lot different. He's scoring a couple off, you know, the, the one-timers, but he's getting a lot of different types of goals. Um, and he's, he's off, he's, he's slumped a little bit in the last stretch. I think, um, I think just, you know, kind of carrying the team for the first half of the season is kind of worn on him. And obviously teams are keying on him more. Uh, but I think, you know, I think he has a shot as long as he stays healthy. I mean, that's the big question because he signed for this season and four more after that. And that if he can get those 30 goals, he's going to be really close to getting Gretzky. And I think he, I think he'll get it as long as he stays healthy, because I think he wants to get the record. Uh, I think he values the record. I think the team wants him to get the record. So I think he'll get it. It's just obviously not a given. Though. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard. All right. 
So who is more important to this team, John Carlson or Nicholas Backstrom? I think right now, John Carlson. Uh, Backstrom obviously missed a lot of the season with the, uh, the hip injury, um, and the team obviously did well about him. Carlson, like we alluded to earlier, I think the team had some defensive issues. Uh, they need kind of the resurgence of John Carlson in the second half. I mean, the power play is one of their major deficiencies, and you know he's kind of the driver of the power play, and they haven't seen that this year like they've seen in previous years. Uh, Backstrom, I think, is – you know, they, they have some nice center depth. I mean, obviously, Backstrom is a huge part of Ovechkin's game. But I think if you had to put one in the lineup and keep one out, I think you'd have to keep Carlson in. And he eats over at his house. He eats cereal, apparently. So yep. <laughs> He hangs out at the house. Yeah. So given that this game is on the road for the Caps and in Philadelphia, in theory, they should perform better, according to what you've been saying. <laughs> And do you think you know, there's anything that the Flyers can specifically do to be successful in this game? Is there a weakness that they can exploit? I think the key for the Flyers to try to get a goal early. I think the Washington's a much different team playing from behind than with the lead. I think they've had a lot of success on the road uh, because they've been able to score the first goal on the road. Uh, at home, what's been happening is they've given up the goal early uh, then it kind of snowballs on them. So I think, you know, for the Flyers to be successful, they kind of have to press the defense and kind of, I presume it's going to be Samson off and net and, you know, kind of get one early on him, get him thinking and trying to get the Caps playing from behind where they're not quite as comfortable. I think their success is if they can get a lead, they can kind of clamp down. Um, and obviously against a team like the Flyers, they're going to try to use their speed and use some of their offensive prowess. So if you have to kind of turn it around, it, it kind of takes them off their game. Yeah, I think it was a year ago, Ted, you and I were watching Samson off in Philly and had a pretty good game. I, I think the Flyers may have won that game, but Samson off looked good this year. He has been a little off, but I know there's these rumors like, Hey, you know, you might as well just trade Samson off, get another goalie uh, in case Vanacek's not ready. But it's like, I still think Samson off's their future. I don't know what they mm -hmm. think, but you know, what do you think? It's going to be tricky because, uh, for the last couple of years after Lundqvist went out with a heart ailment, um, the two young goalies have allowed the Caps to kind of not use a lot of cap money on uh, goaltenders. They've had last year was under $2 million. This year it's under $3 million. Both guys are going to be RFAs this year with arbitration, so that's going to go up. So you figure at some point they're probably going to part with one of them uh, and then try to bring in a veteran, either a rental for this year or get one over the summer. Um, I think so. Can we interest you in a gently used uh, Martin Jones? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, I'm curious. I know Russ and I have talked in the past about how Brian McClellan likes to get guys with term. It was some years left on his contract. And, you know, while everyone's talking about Mark Andre Fleury or even bringing Braden Holtby back, you know, they could try to get another team's goaltender and say, you know, we either give you Vanacek, who's obviously picked by Seattle. So he's valued yeah. by other teams. Or Samsonov, who probably has a higher upside and potential um, to try to see if they can upgrade. But I, I kind of get the feeling Samsonov has played his way out of Washington. Uh, he's had some off-place issues. He's had some good stretches. He's played uh, played you well. Mean besides the ATV accident, you, you're talking about even yes. Oh, okay. During the pause of COVID, um, Samsonov was reportedly injured in an ATV accident in Russia. And that right. basically, I think the Caps wanted to see if he could challenge Holtby for the number one role because 
at that point, they kind of knew Holpe was going to leave town after the season. Uh, he got hurt. He missed the entire bubble. Uh, and then, you know, obviously with Lundquist last season, they thought he could, you know, take over the role. He got COVID right off the bat. He struggled. And Vanacek kind of supplanted the role. And even uh, earlier this week, Peter Laviolette said Vanacek has kind of embraced the role when he's been sitting out for you know, a week and a half. So that kind of tells you that they're not valuing what Sam Stout's bringing to the table. Okay, quick follow-up. Um, you mentioned Lundqvist. I was at Lundqvist night and at MSG. What did the Caps fans say about that on Twitter? Like, were they supportive? I, I think so. I think I think they all thought it was unfortunate what happened. I think they would have liked to see him in, you know, a Caps uniform, but yeah, they respect his body work. I mean, they've seen that on the other end of so many of his good games in the playoffs. Um, and I think there was a mutual respect. And I know, you know, Lundqvist is tight with Backstrom and the Swedish connection yes. um, and Haglin. And I think, you know, I, I think they were happy for him. I think they were all disappointed he didn't play for Washington, but obviously they knew what he meant to the Rangers and, you know, uh, he's a class individual and obviously deserved the honor that he got. I think the Flyers are still upset about that loss to the Pens the other night after being up a couple goals and another division rival is a good way to uh, get the good <laughs> feelings back. So it should be a really fun game, I think. And uh, with, you know, pretty physical and and entertaining, I think. So hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, Caps Flyers games are always good. I was going to say, too, uh, even if the Flyers fall behind, the Capitals lead the league in blown leads uh, this season. <laughs> so it isn't over till it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ted, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Uh, where can people find you out there? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ted Starkey, and I'm also at the Hockey Writers. I do a weekly uh, story on the Caps. Excellent. Thanks so much. All right, so it's time for our weekly prospect profile that we do here. And Russ, you suggested that we talk about Lucas Edmonds this mm -hmm. week. And, you know, I looked into him a little bit. I was a little familiar with him, obviously, because he plays on the Kingston Frontenacs with Zade Wisdom, a mm -hmm. current Flyers prospect, and Shane Wright, who is the presumptive number one overall pick in this year's draft. And Lucas Edmonds is an overager. He's 21 now. Uh, he's a winger and he's a dual Canadian and Swedish player. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, started out in Canada, has played most of his youth career in Sweden, but came over to the OHL this past season and absolutely lighting it up. He's fourth in scoring in the OHL. He's got 71 points in 41 games. And, you know, he just had a six-point game against Mississauga last week. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, Russ, he was passed over in the 2020 draft, was not selected at all. Why do you think that was? Honestly, I think it's because when you have somebody who's playing overseas and doesn't have the body of work in, like, junior hockey – in Canada and such, it's hard to take a risk on a guy like that. Now, coming over, seeing him all the time in the OHL, it's a lot easier to take a risk on a guy like that. I, I got some some nice um, messages because I've included Lucas in my rankings. I have him like ranked 26, which means if you've cost that out, could be the very bottom of the first round, very early part of the second round. And 
he's an interesting guy. Like you said, you detailed it all. What's interesting, though, is I spoke to Shane Wright, the guy you talked about as the presumptive number one in that article will eventually be on EP ringside. And and I spoke to him about Edmonds. And, and one of the things that he told me was that he's really strong. And he is. Even though he's only 5'11 and 185, this kid's solid. Like, he... He could play around the crease area. He could play in the corners. I mean, a lot of times he's setting up Shane Wright with some really great passes. So that's there. The hockey IQ is there. That's another thing. Like he and Wright, when they when they're together, it's really, it's really great. I mean, it's fun to watch. You could even there's plenty of videos even just on Twitter that you could watch even if you never watch a game. Uh, Wright says he loves playing with him. Great teammate. Uh, I also thought his wrist shot is pro level already like he could score it from long distance he knows how to shoot it in traffic he also also knows how to shoot it in the slot and get rid of it quickly so these are things where you know another thing about his game sometimes players on the big sheet can't be this dominant because hey maybe the skating isn't uh mm. i don't think it's his best feature but i don't think it's bad but but you have that to deal with and then also just the style of play and, and everything. And so sometimes that doesn't come out. So a lot of times when you bring somebody from overseas who's used to playing there, put them on the smaller sheet in North America, they have to react quicker. And it's more of a reflex thing. And I can't tell you how many players, uh, European and otherwise, that tell me they love it here uh, when they come because they don't have to think about it anymore. And I think that could be something that's also benefited him besides Shane Wright, of course. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I dug into some of his, you know, draft prospect evaluations from that 2020 year and a couple of the criticisms that I noticed were people saying he's not noticeable out there, he's not particularly mm-hmm. smart out there, and to hear you say that Shane Wright says he's one of the smartest guys he's plays with and that's a a vast contrast and do you think it's attributable to the change in, into the smaller ice? Yeah, yeah, I really do. And and I take what Shane Wright says legitimately because there's very few guys that I've spoken to at his age that have such a grasp on the game, all the little details, everything else. So if he tells me he's smart, he's smart. And and so, yeah, I, I look at it and I say, I just think he got lost over there, you know? And, and mm-hmm. yeah, he wasn't that noticeable because coming over here was more suited to his game. And I think... That's what you're seeing now. Plus, I also think the late bloomer thing is coming to play here, too. And that happens, and we see that that happens. The other good thing is he could play right wing or left wing. So that's another, um, that versatility is important. So if you're a team that has two first-round picks and don't have a second-round pick, that could be the Flyers. uh, Yeah, that's... You know, that's my next thought, right? Because in this trade deadline, it seems like the Flyers could pick up a late first round pick or even a second round pick, which they currently don't have. And Mm -hmm. that this is a guy that might be available. Yeah. If, if I had, you know, something towards the bottom, anywhere from 25 to 32, I would consider him. And then if I had something really close to the top of the second round, uh, I would consider him again. So either way, it depends where he falls on their board, but I'm sure they're well aware of him. And it's kind of hard not to be with the year he's having. So he could be that that kind of guy that, hey, at 21, 
you know, you never want to rush prospects, but it's possible that because of his background and everything he's been through, he may not need as long in the AHL. And that could be a good thing for the Flyers team because they, they do need bodies a little faster than, um, than some other teams. Yeah, I think uh, he's a fascinating option, again, just because his jump in point production was so huge between the last season he played over in Sweden and what he's doing now. And, you know, he's got 21 goals and 50 assists, so it seems like he has a lot of playmaking ability and that uh, that's something that the Flyers could absolutely use. He does, and if you go back to when he played with, with uh, Vaxo and and that was in the junior hockey I mean he was more than a point a game there too so it's not like it's completely come out of nowhere it's just that hey when he started to move up levels he got a you know he got a little lost and that's fine that could happen so probably his agent figured hey uh I want to get my client drafted go play in the OHL and the fact that he's playing with Shane Wright and guys like Zade Wisdom uh really good so it's definitely helping him in his draft year and he wears a letter too so that's good too yeah, absolutely. You can't have enough leadership in a locker room, especially, you know, with one of your young players. And so, yeah, I think Lucas Edmonds is a really interesting prospect to keep an eye on. I think uh, he's somebody I want to keep on my list. That's for sure. And I'm looking forward to kind of mapping out all of these players that we've been talking about and looking at where the Flyers end up with their draft selections over the next you know month and a half before the trade deadline and uh, and kind of go from there. But lots of really good options out there. There definitely are. And we'll be talking about more prospects as we continue on. So wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, I have to say, Russ, I was not in a fun thing mood after <laughs> listening to Claude Giroux talk about potentially, you know, in a sort of farewell tone, you know? Yeah, I get it. But you never you never know when a fun thing's going to hit you. You know, when um, sometimes when I'm at a press conference and, and you're listening and you're recording and that first uh, Chuck Fletcher press conference with Dave Scott there, uh, I was watching, as I'd said, Sean Couturier sort of skate for the last time. And, you know, I was a little sad. And then out of nowhere, there was like a dog on the ice. And I have to Aww. admit, I, I was watching that. Like I was like, <laughs> I didn't want to video it because I was like, ah, maybe this is going to show up uh, later in the year. Uh, although like last year, if you remember those, the dog long running dog video that they had in the building. I don't know if you ever got a chance to see it with Brian Smith. I don't know if they played that on air. That 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 wore on me a little bit because they that would that was like a 45 minute thing where they just had all these hockey dog names and but this was different. This they were just they were going through different things on the ice. There was just the dog just enjoying being out there, running to one person or the other. I think they were recording. So maybe it'll be something that you know we'll see in the future. But you know if there was a little bored moment or two, I was looking at the dog, I admit it. You can't have too many puppies around. No, absolutely. All right, that will do it for us today on Locked On Flyers. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to talk about what happened in that Flyers versus Washington game tonight. We're going to get into a little bit more detail on the return possibilities for a Drew trade. And it's Friday, so we will have our gritty thing of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers 
or you can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.